for me. For a few reasons, but Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 14 says this. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. This is Paul talking. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted... Those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If we can pray one more time and ask the Lord to speak to us today, bless the remainder of our service. Again, this is his service. We are his people. He is the Lord. He is God. I want his will to be done today. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. Indeed, you are God here. You are the Lord and Savior here in this place. You are not only welcome, you are absolutely necessary. We so desperately need to hear your voice today. Help us, I pray, to give ourselves wholly unto you, to submit ourselves unto the word of the Lord today as you give it. Let your name be glorified here in our midst. Open our hearts and our minds to receive of you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. Last Sunday I spoke on... Um, uh, evangelism method as given to us by Jesus Christ, as passed down to his apostles, disciples, later apostles. And uh, I got to admit, that day was not a good day for me. Uh, in fact, it was an absolute disaster <laughs> for me. Uh, hopefully you didn't see it. Hopefully you didn't know it. Hopefully things went smoothly here, but from the very beginning until I got home, it was just one 
train wreck after another, it seemed like. And uh, it, uh, I won't get into specifics, but, but afterward, it just got worse. It just got worse. And uh, I felt, well, I hate, I hate saying stuff like this because it sounds like I'm wanting a pity party here. And that's certainly not what I'm wanting. Uh, nobody wants pity. Uh, but I'm only saying this to say that based on the reaction that I felt, the, the, the pushback I felt, I think we're on the right track here. I think, I think this is the direction we ought to go. Um, cause I got a lot of pushback in the spirit. Uh, and it was, not unexpected, but but the the avenues that that I was approached from were unexpected, and so it was interesting, and I learned a lot. <laughs> and it probably won't happen again. I'll see it next time. But in any case, uh, I think we're on the right track here. the The message I'm going to be speaking on is, uh, for lack of anything better that I could come up with. Going all the way, or to put it another way, maybe more uh, short term, what next? What next? This morning I spoke a little bit on flesh versus spirit, works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. And um, the difference between the two primarily is that works, that's something I can decide to do of myself. I can decide uh, that I'm going to read my Bible. I can decide that I'm going to uh, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. It doesn't just happen. Uh, it, it happens because I make it a point to do that. And so uh, that's that's the works that we're looking for. Good works. James says that uh, you know I'll, I'm going to demonstrate my faith to you by my works. Uh, so works isn't a bad thing. The works of the flesh are a bad thing, okay? But works in and of themselves are not bad. We're not saved by works, but works are a byproduct of our salvation. We're going to demonstrate what we believe by what we do. I pay my tithes and offerings because I believe that the Bible commands me to do that. And I believe that there, a blessing follows obedience. I don't do it out of duty. I don't do it uh, for any other reason. I do it because I'm commanded to, and because of that, the Lord blesses me. But I make it a, t- I do that myself. I choose to do that. That's a good work, and it's demonstrating what I believe. That that's a command of God, and that I'll be blessed because of it. That's just one example. It's an easy example. There are a lot of others. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is explaining that as a Pharisee, he was the pinnacle of Phariseeism. If you know anything about Paul uh, before he became Paul, if you know, for example, that he studied at the feet of someone named Gamaliel, uh, who was known as in that time as the glory of the law, he was... He was the, he was Harvard. He was Yale. Uh, if you made it to his feet, you were good to go. 
you had everything open to you at that point. And Paul was, he was the straight-A student of Gamaliel. And <laughs> concerning zeal, persecuting the church, he held to the Old Testament law. He was, he was convinced that this sect, these Christians, were heretical. They were coming against the law of Moses. Jesus taught that he was God. And that simply could not be allowed to stand. There's only one God. And he's in heaven. So he did everything he could. He eat, slept, lived, breathed destruction to this, this new sect. That's what he did. That's all he did. First thing on his mind when he got up. Last thing on his mind when he laid his head down to bed. How do I destroy this thing? <clears throat> so he was very zealous for his God. It was misplaced. We understand that. But he was very zealous for his God. Everything that you could check off, he could check off. He was a master of the law. He knew it inside and out. And he had more going for him than most Pharisees did. He had something in here. Again, misplaced. But he was motivated. He hated this sect because of his love for the law, because of his love for his God. Yeah, it was, he was way off base. But he was motivated because of love for God. Even though he had all of this going for him, when God revealed himself to him in the form of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he threw it all away. He cast it all aside and with the same zeal, with the same fervor, he started pursuing Jesus Christ. What an awesome coup that was. <clears throat> Taking the enemy's most hated instrument against the church and turning him completely around and making him his most ardent supporter. That's awesome. But he, he pursued Jesus with the same fervor he pursued the law. And he loved God. That was his motivation. His love for God. He wanted nothing else than to know him. Than to know Jesus Christ. At any cost. It didn't matter to Paul what he had to go through. <clears throat> I'm sure he didn't like it. He didn't like the betrayals. He didn't like the get the... Forty stripes save one, the shipwrecks, uh, the stonings. I can't imagine that he looked forward to any of that. But he was willing to endure that and more for the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. The fellowship of his sufferings. The power of his resurrection. That's both sides. That's all of it. Most everyone else, they just want the power of his resurrection. That would be fine. I'll, I'll stop right there. Paul wanted all of it. I want all of Jesus. Every part of him. 
and that included the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul understood something that the church at large today does not. If you would know Jesus, truly know Jesus, you're going to know him through tribulation. You're going to know him through trial. It's not said in vain in Scripture that we will, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's in there for a reason. We can't know Jesus, not truly, unless we first suffer like he suffered. Is it God's will for us to suffer? Absolutely not. Of course not. I don't want my kids to suffer. But I understand that every once in a while suffering is okay for them. I hate seeing it. I hate watching them go through it. But having been through some myself, I understand the benefits of it. Weightlifters don't get big and strong by sitting on the couch eating potato chips. They go through a little suffering, a little soreness, a little fatigue. And if you go through that, you can have a body like this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, anyhow. <laughs> Spiritually strong, that's right. That's right. God doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't want us to endure trial, persecution, suffering. He doesn't want that for his children. But at the same time, we are going to be purged. We are going to be purified. We are going to become Christ-like. And if it means going through test or temptation or trial, then so be it. God's purpose in those is not, not the trial, not the test, but the result. That we would become more like Him. And that we would become closer to Him. That we would know Him. Jesus suffered on a cross and died for that very reason that he could have a relationship with us and us with him. That's his ultimate plan for all everybody, that we have a relationship with him. Before he died on a cross, there was no way he could have a relationship. The gulf of sin was, was right there between us. And there was nothing I could do about it. He finally did something about it. He was the only one that could. In the fullness of time, he came in in the form of Jesus Christ. He suffered on a cross. He died. The the temple veil was rent in twain. We now have free access to his, his presence, the very throne of God, throne room of God. We can come in at any time, any time we want. When I think about that, I just get blown away. First of all, why would he want me there? I don't understand that. 
I accept it. I accept that it's the truth. The Bible teaches that. I have to accept it, but I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm thankful for it, so thankful that he desires me to come to him, that he wants to spend time with me. But that was only possible because of what he did and the desire that he's placed in our hearts to serve him, to draw nigh unto him, to reciprocate the love that he gives to us. Paul, he's understanding something here about having a relationship with God. He kind of mentions things in passing. I've lost things. I've, I've put things on the altar. But none of this means anything to me. It doesn't mean anything. Lose something, don't lose something, whatever. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. That's what's important to me. I've suffered the loss of all things. I don't care. It's worth it. The price is worth it. To be found in Him. To be like Him. To know Him. Are we ready to make that same commitment? Do we have the same zeal, the same passion to know our Savior like Paul did? The, you know, cultural things are uh, they're kind of interesting to look at. I think I've said this before here. Um, I was talking to a missionary a long time ago, and... Uh, he made an interesting point. I've, I've always looked at missionaries in third world countries and they get to see all kinds of cool stuff. They get to cast out demons. They, they see healings. They see miracles. It seems like all the time. That seems to be all I ever hear from their, from their mouths. Would you just shut up about the stupid miracles? I get it. You guys are having a great time over there. I'm not seeing anything over here. <clears throat> That's what I want to say, but I don't. But I get frustrated. Anyway, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. But they make a, he, this guy that I was speaking to made a very good point. He was like, you know, cause we're always impressed with, with the, the Christians over there and, and how they lived, you know, they live in squalor. They live in surviving on pennies a day and they're, they're walking 15, 20, 30 miles to a church service. Walking. With their, with their kids on their back. And, and they do that and they don't think twice about it and they're doing it gladly. They're looking forward to getting there. Feeling the presence of God and, and I, I'm so impressed by that. And, and this guy's like, we're impressed with the, the Americans. That's what I said. Why would you be impressed with us? You can choose literally anything you want. Everything is right there available to you. You can do anything you want here. Whatever you want. You got the money, you got the time to do anything. But you choose to serve God. Despite that. You choose to set that aside and serve God. I was like, 
That's a good point. That's that's I'd never thought about things like that before. And so, you know, we can look at the Apostle Paul and say, well, you know, he didn't have a whole lot to choose, it, you know, in his time period. He didn't he didn't have to set aside video games and he didn't have to put movies aside and and the internet was not a thing for him and and he didn't have to work a you know 40 hour 50 hour a week job and and then you know drive half hour hour one way so it was a little bit easier for Paul he didn't have a lot to give up <clears throat> well no, that's that's kind of uh, fallacious thinking there. He had a lot to give up for his day. He didn't have anything else to compare it to. The Lord tarries a hundred years, and people look back on us. Well, it was easy to live for God back then, because uh, they didn't have everything we have today. I mean, any any generation can say that. But the fact of the matter is, we all have the same things to give up. The forms are different. The forms are different. But at the end of the day, it it really boils down to one choice, one fundamental decision that needs to be made. Who do I want to serve with my life? Do I want to serve Jesus or don't I? Because Jesus is asking everything. He's not going to accept anything less than everything. Why? Because that's what he gave me. Jesus gave me everything. So him asking for (laughs) my everything doesn't really seem fair. He's not getting a lot in return. But I'm certainly willing to do that, to receive everything he has. When I say yes to God, it's yes. All the way across the board. When I say he's my Lord, then I better act like it. I better do what he says. I better listen when he's talking to me. When I was living under my dad's roof, I gave him at least that kind of respect. I learned the consequences for not doing that. There were consequences back in the day. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. (laughs) There you are. Not like the piddly consequences you get. That's never once come off. My dad's came off. (laughs) My point being, He's my king. He's my Lord. He's my God. He's my Savior. He's everything to me. Then I better act like it. 
Words are cheap. Talk is cheap. I can say Lord, Lord all day long as he points out to someone and don't do anything he says. Is he my Lord? Oh, I'm calling him Lord. I worship Jesus. I sing songs. The things that we understand to be a part of Christian life in the United States are good. We ought to come to church. We ought to worship God, sing songs, worship. All of that is, I believe, commanded in Scripture. But there ought to be a reason that we're doing that other than tradition, because someone's going to give me a phone call if I don't show up. Uh, it ought to be more than that. We read scriptures like this, and I, I don't see Paul needing a phone call in the morning to get to church. I don't see Paul needing to be encouraged from the pulpit. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship God. Come on, let's stand. Okay, okay. I don't see that from Paul. I see Paul doing the encouraging. Something in here is driving Paul to draw, to draw close to God, to strive to enter into his presence. Is that our attitude? Do I want to serve him with my life, with all of my life? The times church are drawing to a close. You've heard that a thousand times if you've heard it at all. But never in the history of mankind has all of these things been transpiring. Never in history have all of these prophecies been fulfilled. He's coming back when you least expect it. Will he find us waiting? Will he find us at work doing the things of God? He concludes by saying, I so desperately want to apprehend this, but I haven't yet. I have not yet apprehended. But this is what I'm doing. This is the one thing I'm doing. I don't care what's happened. I'm looking to the future. What's going to happen. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Pressing. He's not meandering. He's not wandering. He's not just going to stumble upon it someday. Oh, look, the prize. How lucky am I? He's purposed in his heart. He's seeking it. He's doing whatever it, whatever he needs to do to find it, to get it, to possess it. I submit that we need to be possessed by the same passion, the same zeal. 
If we are to do things for the Lord, as we've been speaking of, talking about, it's not going to happen because we want it. I think we all want it, but that's not enough. We've got to do something with that desire. We've got to do the right thing. We've got to do the scriptural thing. We've got to draw close to Jesus Christ. We've got to become Christ-like. That's the thing that has to possess our thoughts, to know him, to have a relationship with him. If we have a relationship with him like this, if we're apprehended of Jesus Christ, if he possesses us, captures our imaginations, he's going to work his perfect work through us. If we're attached to the vine, if we're in Jesus Christ, then he can do the work through us. We can't. We're not going to. The things that, that God has made us responsible for in this city are too big for us. They're too great for us. And yet Jesus has given us responsibility for those things. He'll do the work through us. But we've got to submit ourselves to him. We can't hold anything back. We can't hold anything back from Jesus. If we're going to serve him, church, then let's serve him. Let's make up our minds today once and for all. If we're not going to serve them, well, I pray God gets a hold of your heart. But at the end, it's your choice. It's always been your choice. One simple decision with eternal consequences. Will you serve Jesus or no? If you serve Jesus, he's going to ask all of you. He wants all of you. But according to Paul here, what we receive in return is so much greater if we do suffer the loss of all things it's not going to mean anything you're going to lose it anyway we can't keep this stuff 
I'm going to pass it on to my kids, and they'll squander it. <laughs> or Jesus is coming back, and it's going to burn. There was a saying a while ago, maybe it still is, it says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's a pithy saying, but it speaks truth, and I, I, I like its message. These things that he's asking us to give up, we can't keep anyway. They're going to burn. And in exchange, he's giving us eternal things, things that will last forever, things that are powerful and mighty through God. When we do the work of God, I want to do the work of God. I don't want to do part of it. I don't want to feel like I'm limping along trying to do the work of God and, and not really succeeding at it. How could that possibly be God's will for his people? God created you to succeed. He called you to victory. And that is exactly what he desires. That's his, that's his exact plan for all of us. But the relationship needs to come first. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, people that People that do the miracles, the signs, the wonders, and have no relationship with God are, scientifically speaking, whacked in the head. They're crazy. They're psycho. They go off into all of these weird doctrines. They go off into all of these crazy scenarios. Do we want the signs and wonders? Absolutely. I think they're necessary. I believe Scripture teaches that they're absolutely mandatory in the church age. We ought to be seeing them. We ought to be seeing them regularly. I will never preach against signs and wonders. Absolutely not. We need them. But they need to be grounded in truth. They need to be grounded in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason those gifts were given was for the ministry to the church and for the salvation of the lost, for the lost. They weren't given for you and me, to, to benefit me. And they, weren't ben they, were then, they definitely weren't given to give glory to my ministry and to get my name out there and your name out there. Not at all. The glory is God's. And if I can't recognize that, bless God, I don't want it. But if I first have a close walk with God, I'm grounded and rooted in truth. I have a relationship with God like Paul has. That's my purpose. I'm trying, I'm striving to get close to God, to know Him. And God begins to use me in the miraculous. Then that doesn't really matter so much. It matters in that it, it's necessary. It was given to the church and, and for a reason. God wouldn't have given it to us if we didn't need it. But I'm not focused on that. 
I'm not focused on the miracles. I'm focused on Jesus. And because of that, these other things come organically. They come naturally because of my relationship. And that is the healthy and the right way to do this. We don't pursue the miracles. We're not after the the signs. We're after Jesus Christ. And Jesus will begin to use us naturally, holistically, organically, however you want to say it. They will come as a result of our relationship. Amen. Let's all stand. We want to win the prize. We want to win this race. To finish the race set before us. Amen.